Hello and welcome to Talking Tyranids with Chris and Mark. I am Chris and with me as always is my co-host Mark. Mark, how are you doing this week? I am doing fantastic. How are yourself? You know, I'm good. I'm good. We, we were discussing we were discussing some of our personal lives and issues before the show. Mm. But uh, you know, those those aside, those aside all is going well. Um so I'd like to if I may start off this week with a little bit of news. Um so for us uh looking at news um in general what's happening in the world of 40k is uh as we record this Eldar are about a week from the new craft world codex dropping. Mm. Yes. Um they so they've they, they've made the interesting move so they seem to be kind of dialing back on the soup aspect of the game a little bit where i think it went a bit crazy in eighth where you could basically just make these ridiculous death star armies of well this one's a bit weak on melee so i've brought some of these and they're really good at shooting and i can also bring some of these and ridiculous things could ensue um so they seem to be dialing back on that and in areas where you would really need it they've brought lots of things back under one roof so the Eldari Codex uh, has Craft Worlds, it has Yanari, it has uh, Harlequins uh, and Corsairs and basically everyone's all back under one roof and it looks it looks like it's got some pretty deadly stuff in it. Um, I've seen a couple of bat- uh, battle reports already with it where it was absolutely trouncing some of the older uh, armies um, yeah. so yeah. that's looking good <laughs> yeah yeah, same, same with me. I've been a, I'm a bit of a, like, like I said, I, I, I very much enjoy painting, and whilst I'm painting, I will put podcasts on, I will put YouTube videos on, and I have probably had like, every day the leaks, every day since, well, I say every day since yesterday, I have had like eight, ten videos of either battle reports or reviews and stuff like that and yeah it's looking like a very strong and also not a one kind of army list book as well which is only good for the hobby yeah it it looks quite well rounded um i i mean from the top of my head it looks like it could be one to sort of challenge that top spot that drakari have been sitting in um, it, it seems to be a bit of an Eldar-only spot at the moment, but um, it's yeah, they're they're looking they're looking pretty strong. They're looking pretty good. Uh, the Tau Codex dropped, I think, about oh, two weeks ago, a week or two ago. Yeah, um, and that's that's been doing okay. It didn't jump in and dominate the meta like I think everyone thought it would, mm. because everybody panicked when they saw the railgun and. How- <laughs> 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 yes, yes, we did. <laughs> a very, a very typical kind of knee-jerk reaction from the 40k community there, where it was, look at how ridiculous the damage on this thing is. Look at the fact that it ignores invuln saves and is like AP minus four or five. Mm. Um, but then you have to remind yourself it's only a single shot, and it's it's put on a hammerhead, which are quite uh, squishy and easily targetable. Um, so that's why they haven't been sort of sweeping the top table so far. No. Um, but you know we're here to talk Tyranids, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna also run through some of the Tyranid leaks we've had. Fantastic. So the first thing I want to tell you is you might recall from our last episode we discussed some new stat lines for the Exocrine and the Harrispex. Yes. Um, those have been pretty much confirmed because I've had a few people 
recently posting up online that they've just got their Harrispex in the post and it's come with the new stat line in the box. So that um, might be a slight oversight on the part of... Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they care anymore. They're just like, yeah, leaks. It's, you're going to buy more models. Let's go. Yeah, you're going to buy them anyway. Yeah. So I might as well. Cha-ching. And, <laughs> and so it looks... Um, yeah, so the previously what could have been a very good Photoshop job uh, seems to have been confirmed, which also lends some good credence to the stuff we were talking about regarding uh, Hive Tyrants. So mm -hmm. kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, I found this compilation of leaks that have been put across on 4chan and Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. So um, take with much salt uh, is the general approach to these. That, we'll, we'll get a good chunk of Himalayan rock salt. Yeah, exactly Let's that. Let's do so, this. Go um, on. So, so um, I've just picked out some of the highlights because it was a massive list. And some of it, I was like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> um, so I've kind of picked the things where I think this could be something. Uh, so first of all, um, anyone with scything talents, you now make two hit rolls for every attack. Uh, and that's any unit which has them whatsoever. Um, so this would be good for Hormagons. That would put Hormagons up to, assuming the base attack stays the same, four attacks. Is that the same as Chainswords for Space Brains? Yes, have, yeah. although the exact way they word it will be important because there's like a... So for Chainswords, it's you make one attack for each pair. Mm -hmm. And f so you can take two Chainswords and get two extra attacks, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be interesting to see, but that's good. Um, it also gives you that potential of if I'm taking Scything Talons on my Gene Stealers, do I actually use them? Um, because then you'll be generating more attacks, but you won't have the rending. So uh, there would be that to consider. Um, the next thing, uh, this, one's a, this one's a little harder to swallow, but I hope it's true. 65 points uh, would be the new cost of a basic Carnifex. Um, <laughs> now that, what? What? <laughs> that, that to me seems outrageously cheap. Um, and that would, uh, if that's the case, then there's no way any of this stat line has improved. Because if they've also improved the stat line, mm. there's no way that's going to be 65 points. Unless, like, every single thing you put on them costs them points. Um, the other thing they've said is they've kind of... Um, so, I mean, you've, you've been in the hobby a while, so you're probably used to this. The Carnifex, like, he oscillates from everything that comes in the box is a war gear option. And you can make literally hundreds of different Carnifexes based on mm -hmm. tails, heads... Uh, arms, etc. Uh, and different chitin. So um, they're kind of saying that they're going to pair that back again down to just what do their arms do and what do their tails do, I think. Okay. Um, which again, I think it might not be a terrible way to go because it can get a bit overwhelming. Um, you know, for me certainly just being like, what do I need to do now? I need to give him this head for plus one attack or I yeah. need to give him this head for plus one to hit yeah. or to wound or whatever um okay what else have we got so uh exocrines and tyrannifex is both losing the ability to shoot twice if they stand still but gaining some sort of action that they could take that i think that would basically allow them to do that um i'm not entirely sure about the logic of that but i guess it could make sense um i'm not sure on this one gargoyles going to the troop section um, and coming out of fast <laughs> attack. 
Right. I mean, they're very fast. So. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we saw in Eldar um, the Avengers, who are the most um, common of the aspects. They're the first. If you bec- if you go from the militia of the Guardians into the path of the Warrior, you go into the Die Avengers. So there are quite a few Die Avengers that got moved into the Elite. But to move something into the Troop section, that's that's pretty that that's big. Yeah, that would it would surprise me a little, and it would kind of make me it would kind of beg the question to me why or like what, what okay so if these guys are troops. And they've got objective secured. For example, why am I taking termagants if they're like one point more and they move much faster and they've got obsec? But that would be well, remains to be seen. Um, this one I'm hearing quite a lot. Swarmlord is going to lose his hive commander trait, which is the thing that lets lets things move twice. Um, mm-hmm. That that does not surprise me to be honest, because it's such a crutch. Like I don't know many lists that don't make use of it, um, and yeah. we we kind of become our own enemies, don't we? Because if you see something that you can exploit, especially yeah. in the competitive scene, it gets rinsed. So right now, there's crusher car- crusher um, stampede lists all over. Yes, all of them have swarm lords. All of them are making dimacrions uh, or dimac. The bipedal re- resin forge world man. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're making him move twice, basically, so he can pretty much get a first turn charge. Um, yeah. I personally don't have one of those, so I just sub in a trigon. I move mm. up a trigon twice, or I push it when it comes out of deep strike if Swarm Lord manages to survive that long. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of a crush. Some people are saying it becomes a strat, which I'd be more than happy with. To yeah. say, okay, I have to pay CP to make that happen because it is... It, I mean, it, it could be, with some of the new stat lines we're getting, it could be a bit busted to have that. So fair enough. Um, final little thing. Very much hoping this is true. Could see it being realistic. Um, warriors going up to strength and toughness 5 as a basic. Um, and bone swords uh, becoming strength plus two and damage two uh for mm. basic like the basic ones that warriors carry or can carry um this would make yeah. me happy i would yeah. i would like to see that happen i could see lots of things i mean like immortals in um what you call it in the necrons they went to toughness five um Terminators are all across the board. Toughness five, three Didn't wounds. Didn't orcs now. change to toughness five as well? They're sort of um, snag kill. Mm. I know. I don't know what they're called. Snaz wagon things. Something. The, it's like um, Willy Wonka. <laughs> Snazzleberry. <laughs> the snaz doodles. The green snaz doodles that that came out because they're like primaris orcs, aren't they? Mm. Um, so uh, they. I, th- I mean, it makes they it, did. From a just from an aesthetic kind of view, like Termagants are toughness three, and they are little bitty creatures. And then you've got a warrior who is meant to be epic in a way. Man. It's like yeah. he's only one bit of toughness more. It's like oh, oh okay, well, hmm. yeah. I think Doesn't it me. could it could significantly increase their survivability. Um, and if you're thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of like strength like with the Maliceptor thing that lets you reduce the strength of incoming attacks, reducing the strength 
down to a four when your warriors are toughness five makes them like much more survivable so mm. um this stuff like i say it's it could it could be real it could be bullshit basically yeah. um at this point but the fact is after eldar drop next week i'm pretty sure we're next up so you're gonna start getting a lot of stuff on the warhammer community um a lot of the leaks that are going to come in are going to be a lot more reliable and then we're probably going to have maybe three weeks to a month i think of lead-in uh before the codex drops so we will next... see so many leaks yeah <laughs> so ne next time we record i think we're gonna have a much better idea of what we're looking at we'll be um, like well here's my 2000 point list because <laughs> there's that many leaks you, you can get uh, you can get to that point i I've, I've i've been i've been there before i remember the most mm. disappointed i ever was was when i opened our sixth edition codex which was really for seventh it was like two weeks before seventh dropped um i had i'd been covering leaks non-stop on my youtube channel and then i fired open the book and there was like there is nothing in here that i didn't know Hmm. It's just really, it really kind of took some of the magic out of yeah. it for me because there's a, there's a nice thing to opening it and going, oh, look at that stat line, oh, look at that strap. Um, so hmm. it's it's a balancing act. Anyway, let's get on to our main event this week. So um, we said we uh, we wanted to discuss uh, things this week that are kind of just generally hobby related, not just about gaming. Uh, but about the sort of hobbying aspects, modeling, painting, conversions, etc. Uh, and so the way I've chosen to frame our conversation for this week is uh, six things that we wish we'd known when we'd, we'd started the hobby. Um, so so basically trying to pass on our experience to some younger hobbyists or some newer hobbyists. Um, so we've got three each. So Mark, why don't you start us off? What What's one of the things that you, looking back, you think, God, if I'd known this when I started, what a difference it would have made. <laughs> So yeah, um, let's go, well, again, I started when I was 14, so none of these points would help out the 14-year-old me, but um, let's go with the the one that uh, affects me right now mm -hmm. is um, independent retailers and eBay is a big saviour. Um, and I say that now because very, very shortly, Games Workshop are going to be putting a price increase because... Everything's going to cost more. Um, there's a little thing called Brexit. And um, <laughs> everything is just getting to the point where they can't keep the same price point. Now, Games Workshop do this every so often. More often than I'd like. Um, and I remember the days where I would... When I got quite big into it when I was uh, living in Lincoln at university. And mm -hmm. I decided... I wanted to do Grey Knights, Tyranids, Space Wolves, and then I got into Orcs as well. But I just kept going back to my Games Workshop store. And the guys there were incredible, um, and they helped me, and they were obviously very enthusiastic, and they were really helpful. I was like, oh, I like this model, or this list, and stuff. And obviously it was leading to purchases. Mm. But um, it was really, really expensive yeah. <laughs> um when i look back and then i've i've got a local gaming slash comic book store and i often go on element games now um and one of my close friends the one who got me into the hobby he is a he is he, he's got this skill where he just goes on ebay and there's exactly what he wants and it's really cheap and he just clicks buy and every time i go on ebay i'm just like no 
that's not what I want. I can not twir- exactly. I, I can tell <laughs> you've got twelve layers of paint on that. Like, uh, not for me. Um, so, uh, if I had started, if I could give anything to someone starting out or myself back in the day, um, Games Workshop stores charge the premium, and yeah. you can get a ten to fifteen percent discount on um, independent retailers, which for a hobby where you're now looking at a it's some armies like I think I calculated if I did the two thousand point Gene Stealer cult army I wanted four hundred and sixty something pounds. Uh, it is an awful lot. I mean Yeah. I want to I want to kind of jump on this because it's a really good point. Um, I'm so I'm the same. So I have a local store near me. Uh, shout out Cryptic Cabin. Uh, it's really really good. Store. Hello. <laughs> um, they're 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 absolutely fantastic, and they do. You can pay to have like a lock in where you get the store to yourself for the whole day and and go and play and and do games and stuff. Um, and they the last time we had uh, one of those, which was just last week, uh, some friends and I played a little mini tourney. I won. Obviously, obviously, um, the um, you, you may not have won, but we would never know. <laughs> yeah, you'd never know who's 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 gonna who's gonna say otherwise. But um, they cleaned up off of us because my friend uh, went downstairs. He's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go to the loo," and he came back up with a box of custodies that he had just purchased, mm. um, which for them is an army because it was like five models. So that's that's mm. like a thousand points for them. <laughs> um, and then another friend of mine went downstairs five minutes later. He comes up. He's got like some stuff from the A Song of Ice and Fire tabletop game yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. been started up. And But they're great. So everything they do is like 20% off. Um, they can order anything off the web store at a discount. So even stuff like... I found if Element or Wayland Games or Goblin Gaming, any of those kind of websites, if they're getting like fine cast miniatures or stuff that is usually web store exclusive for GW, um, they don't get the discount on it. Hmm. Um, I don't know how, but my little local store does. So like for when I feel like, you know, particularly masochistic and I need to get a bit of fine cast, I'll always get it (laughs) through them because it's that little bit cheaper. Um, so yeah support and supporting you know it's good to support local stores anyway and at the end of the day they're it's it's not like they're stealing it they're in business with games workshop so the games workshop is still getting your money and what is important to me about them getting my money which is why maybe i'm not so keen on like 3d printing stuff or you know less keen on ebay these days uh is because that's the way that i as a consumer give them my feedback so if I'm buying tons of something, I'm saying great models, love it, love this army, love this, you know, love this model, love this design. Uh, if I'm not buying a ton of their model, you know, I'm either saying this is too goddamn expensive, I can't afford it, <laughs> or, yeah. or you know, maybe this one isn't for me. And so I always think it's me personally. I like to make sure the money is going in their pocket one way or another, hmm. because you know, because then I am a customer and then I have a voice. Yeah, you know, to the, to them in in one way or another, however much they may be listening. Yeah, and ultimately, it's only going to be a, to the betterment of the hobby because you and let's say there were six of you there, if you all purchased more, then that develops your hobby, and you're going to keep playing and be the longevity of this hobby is outstanding. If you can start, um, I think I mentioned before my 
my partner has two two girls um to yourself probably not i don't know if it, we were recording at the time um but the eldest is eight almost nine and she was like can i paint one of your miniatures and i said N- no, absolutely not no because <laughs> i've developed what i like over the last 20 or so years um but i was like right we'll go to the local store i need to get some supplies and she fell in love with the sisters of battle and i was like they're Perfect. really complicated though you're eight and yeah. i don't want you to get disappointed so we ended up getting an empress champion model from for the black templars range and i was like yeah. this is a really cool model and it's super easy and she's about 50 percent through it now let's say she enjoys that and wants to do more she's eight now I know people that are in there, like you see it in the time, 50s, like like they've been playing yeah. the game since it first started. So the game's been going along, what, 30 years, is it? 30? Yeah, I think, I think near enough 30 on the dot. Yeah, yeah, so the longevity of this game is absolutely huge. And um, you can if you get the models a little bit cheaper, and you're just going to develop this hobby. Um, that being said, with the price point, I just wanted uh, something I saw on a different article... Um, because when they release this, everything's going up um, by at least 5%. Um, there was an article, I don't know if it was on Spiky Bits or something else, where they were saying, actually, is this a hobby that's outrageously expensive? And they mentioned, like, a PlayStation 5 is, like, well, I think yeah, it's like I £500 mean, pounds plus each game being... 50 to 85 pounds each and it's like well already an army is less and you're doing it potentially more over a longer time period so. that's that and that is 100% true I've got to um I was actually going to say something about that because I I'm an avid gamer uh, as well I, I I game a lot I have I haven't yet got myself a PS5 or uh, an Xbox no, Series I, X. My, my sister has a PlayStation 5 and I hate her so much because <laughs> it looks really good. <laughs> no, it does. It does. And But the thing is, I've always prided myself. I own um, everything. If you can name a console that has come out in the last 30 years, I have it. I've got the Nintendo Entertainment System. I have the Sega Master System. Uh, you know, I've got these things that came out in the the, the late 80s right through till today. Um, and, you know, I bought a 360 and a PS3. I bought an Xbox One and a PS4. Um, and, yeah, each of those, again, costs you baseline three to four hundred pounds easy. Then each game, you know, even when games were a bit cheaper, you're still looking at 40 pounds for, like, a new one. Mm. And people, you know, gamers similarly are looking for secondhand deals and bargains and, like you know you know online deals where you can get bundles for cheaper um but you know i think well how many hours did i put into that game maybe 20 how many hours have i put into my tyranids countless thousands um so even you know yeah the the money i have put into the hobby it might seem like a lot but given the hours of modeling painting and gaming that i get out of the hobby i think it's justifiably priced like i i always wish it were cheaper sure but you know inflation happens everything is more expensive now food is more expensive so yeah you know bits of plastic unfortunately are on the rise no yeah and and we 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 can't kid ourselves this is a very very premium hobby yeah like it's not your simple airfix model where you paint it and you put it to one side this is 50 pounds is gonna get you a a troop, and that's going to be ten percent of your army. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's yeah. my so that's my point. If if I could help out anyone who's just starting 
or tell myself from the past like independent retailers will definitely help your wallet definitely um okay my turn to go so this is one so i'm gonna be interested to get your take on this actually mark so um mine is the is <laughs> the, the perils of magnets okay um so right hmm. off the, right off the bat i'm gonna say this okay i'm don't hear what i'm not saying i am not telling you to avoid using them okay I'm just saying be very aware of what you get into when you do. And I'm going to give you some examples and I'm going to draw on my own experiences if I may. So when I started out, uh, as I said, I think on our first podcast, my first purchased model from Games Workshop uh, on Sprues was a Carnifex. And I had the great idea that I was going to magnetize this Carnifex. So I was going to paint every limb, every tail bit, every head, um, I would magnetize all these parts and I, I would do that. And I was following a guide that um, was on miniwargaming.com. It was Mini Wargamer Matt showing specifically mm-hmm. how to magnetize a Carnifex. Yeah. And I asked a friend of mine and he was like, neodymium magnets are incredible. They're so strong. You even just tiny ones are fine. Go buy some. So I went and bought some and the ones I got were very small indeed. They're about the sort that you would probably put into... Uh, the underside of a gargoyle um, and sort of sit up there if you wanted to magnetize a flying base onto it, that kind of size. Mm. Um, So if you've ever uh, tried magnetizing things, then you'll be aware that this did not work at all because (laughs) those ones were way, way too small for the size of arms Carnifexes have. So they would just kind of limply droop out of the socket. Uh, And I had to put like three in each arm to be able to magnetize that arm in um and it severely limited my ability to pose it in a way that i liked so some of the arms just kind of went off a bit skew with not exactly how i'd have wanted them um and about two arms into this venture i was like you know what no i'm not doing this this is completely untenable <laughs> this is not for <laughs> me um and it was partly because i was really early in the hobby it was like my first model basically so cutting into it drilling into it putting magnets in there trying to make like uh a sort of a thing to hold the magnet in in green stuff and things like that it was just way beyond me at the time um and not to mention the cost of it i was like so basically you need so this is the first thing in terms of your wallet right you need differing sizes of magnets if this is something you want to do okay carnifex ones are about the size of the armhole for a Carnifex and if you do anything smaller it's not going to work properly um so I tried anyway I picked myself up dusted myself off and tried again and I got some raveners and I decided I would magnetize between their scything talons and their rending claws um and that was slightly more successful um but still I had a lot of pitfalls and basically I've got a friend of mine I won't name his name but he is obsessed with magnetizing. And every time I see one of his armies, I see one of the innumerable problems that come with magnetizing. So uh, the first one is guaranteed he's going to pull a Tau Riptide out. And then he's going to sit there for ages going, oh, where is it? Come on, it's in here somewhere. It's in here somewhere. So he's magnetized all the arm parts and all the weapons but you've then got to keep track of all the weapons that go with each yeah. riptide, we go with each kind of effect. So 
you know, again, so Carnifexes, I would say, are probably the most most magnetized monster uh, because of the wide variety of options. Um, but bear in mind, so if this is something you want to do, let's say you, you get the full amount of Carnifexes you can take, which would be nine, and you magnetize all of them. Um, for each nine of those, you've got two Scything Talons, two Crushing Claws, two sets of Death Spitters, two sets of uh, Devourers. Uh, you've got three or four different heads, I think four, um, off the top of my head. Yes. Five, five, actually. You've got the Long Tongue one, the Tusked one, the Regeneration Skull one, the Normal one, uh, which is actually the Screamer Killer one, and mm. the Enhanced Senses one that looks like a bunny. Uh, you've then got all of the tail pieces, which is another three. And those are probably going to have to stay with each individual Carnifex, unless you're very, very careful. Um, so you're doubtless going to lose some of that <laughs> along the way. Mm. Um, and the other problem is it just doesn't it doesn't always save you the time you think it will. Uh, another incident with the same guy, we're sitting and playing, he deep strikes in some uh, jet bikes or something along those lines. And uh, he puts down three flyer bases. I was like, where's the models? And he sort of sighed and went, oh, all right, hang on, I'll get them. And then very delicately placed them on these bases because he had magnetized the flyer base oh, no. to the thing. And the trouble with that is if you move it in any way, shape, or form, the weight of the flyer means it's just going to rattle. Yeah. Uh, and most of them just hung limply to the side <laughs> of the base. Oh, no. And I was just like, oh, take them away. I can't I can't deal with this. But again, I thought, all right, well, look at my gargoyle. You see how I put the flyer base in the bottom and ta-da, it works. So some people, I think, go a bit overboard with it is the other thing. And yep, ultimately, it's probably going to save you a bit of money. It is probably going to be good for your wallet. Mm. But it's not without its own expenses. Like, those magnets don't come cheap, and you need a lot of them. Yeah, now, I, I've seen so many uh, YouTube videos where it's kind of like you've, you've got that, um, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Here, I'm just going to click, and he's just clicked the, the right weapon on, and it looks yeah. amazing and super. What you don't see is all the stuff, the learning how to do it, the, the errors. And I, I think uh, I've seen friends where they've done it and it's like they've got an arm but for some reason with the magnetization the the weight point is slightly wrong so it droops down so so it's, yeah. so it's doing the wrong thing it doesn't quite look how i would want a model to look or um you you do like you said the wrong magnet strength and then you've drilled in and you, you it's gone wrong and yeah, I've never personally done the magnet thing because I'm worried I'd go wrong and there's nothing for me personally that has gone, do you know what? I really want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've just, I, I sort of reached this point, so I've got four Carnifexes at the moment. Two of them are kind of kitted out to be shooty, two of them are kind of kitted out to be close combat. Hmm. Um, and so generally speaking, I tend to say to whoever I'm playing with, look, they're not exactly WYSIWYG because... Today I want three close combat carnifexes, or today I want three DAC effects. And I've never once had an opponent go like, no, unacceptable. I want mm -hmm. you to do that. Um, and if they really did, I'd be like, fine, I'll go buy another two and I will kit them out exactly how I want them. And the next time we play, that's what I'll do. Um, it's not the end of the world. Um, 
you know, yes, ultimately, in the very, very, very long run, you might end up having to buy more Carnifexes than someone who's magnetized them. Um, but yes, it's a steep learning curve. And you have to be willing to accept, you know, and again, if you're doing this for money, this is going to hurt you. I might ruin a model. I might ruin a 50 quid model because I've drilled into it and I've put the wrong magnet in and now my only option is to basically cut part of the arm off and green stuff it back together and then put another magnet on it and you know it's 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 fraught with peril that's what i'm saying um yeah anyway what what else have you got let's move on okie dokie so let's go with yeah let's do this point so when i had my youtube channel i put out a thing uh, a thing, a video, that's what it's called. Um, <laughs> a video which was um, which Warhammer Fantasy Army shall I start or collect or, or kind of buy kind of thing. And I did a lot of research into that. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, it is your hobby. So you can make it what you want. And then as a little add-on is do some research. So, like I said, it is your hobby. There are different people that will go into a let's use a games workshop store a games workshop store they will pick up the models they will either want to paint them and put them on a shelf and be like yes i did that that's amazing or paint them and go into a golden demon competition there are others that want to just literally crack a few colors on and game casually and there are those that will purchase for tournament scenes and being competitive and going to all these GTs around the world and everything like that. Um, You kind of have to decide what you want from this hobby because it, like we said, it is a very expensive hobby. Um, But also when you choose to collect I've I went in very naively Mm -hmm. and I went I like that one, I like that one, I like that one, I like that one. Um, I'm a, a big fan of pretty much everything that Games Watch have put out, both for Warhammer 40k, Fantasy, and Age of Sigmar. But it's like, here's... This is an army where it's like, if you lose focus in the army you're collecting, you've spent a lot of money. And it's fine, because you can sell it on eBay. But do some research to what what is good for you. Is it what the models look like is it also how you your your play style um is it you want to go to a gt and i just absolutely slaughter everyone and then <laughs> the next time the meta changes you will then sell that army and get another army and and do it that way so i would uh, sit down and say what do you want from this hobby and have a really good think about how, what you want to do to to spend that hard-earned money for it. So, like I said, I'm 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 enjoying painting. So, with the Tyranids, I've got some G-Steeler cults. I did a lot of research what kind of color scheme I wanted. I'm now I've painted the start collecting box, and I've really enjoyed it. And I'm I'm now looking at um, some 2,000 point lists and what is considered really good, but also kind of a bit fluffy because I don't I find some of the the GT lists are kind of like six units, whereas I'm I like to be like quite varied, but also try some things out that aren't really hardcore meta, um, and enjoy a bit of it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. 
Um, but for me, I, I've created a 2,000 point army now. I'm going to build towards that. I'm enjoying the painting. I'm looking forward to playing with them and then really truly understanding them. So that's my joy from the hobby. Um, if I'd have bought like a chaos start collecting and I was like, yeah, here's how you paint some chaos. Duh, 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 duh. Mm, actually, they're not really what I wanted. Well, now I've spent that money. So now I'm going to have to sell that those models or keep them to one side or um, if I don't finish the box it becomes a a pile of shame <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and, and stuff. So I, I would say really really do your research into it. It's not like you want to start fishing and you've got a hundred pounds to spend. Oh, I will buy this this rod, this line, this bait. It's I'm starting a collection. Do I want to do it for just painting? Do I want to do it for gaming? Do I like the models to start with, and what ideally is is my goal for this? Is what I would say for that one. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I, you know, I think it's fair to say this is a, you know, it's 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 a hobby where everybody's everybody's approach to it is unique. Um, you know, even I'd say you and I are quite similar. Um, but I'd say, I mean, at the moment, I definitely spend more time hobbying than playing. Um, but if only because literally I can't play all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. But when I started, you know, I've kind of evolved in that front as well. When I started out, painting was, I didn't even want to do it. I just wanted to play and I didn't care if I had grey minis. And then it was, oh, actually, no, it's quite, it's quite satisfying. It's like the first time you make yourself a home-cooked meal. It's like playing with a mini I've painted is incredibly satisfying. I want to do more of that, actually. Um, and as I've got better over the years, you know, it's kind of swung that way where I spend a lot of my time prepping and I actually like to put out where possibly fully painted army or as much of a painted army as I can. Um, I'd also say it was an interesting point you raised about um, you've come up with a 2000 point list that you're now trying to paint towards. Mm. Um, so I've always been kind of, uh, I'll make a list out of what I've got and I see how it plays and I see what I like and see what I don't and adjust and adjust and adjust. Like, uh, I'm, I'm very much a sort of field research kind of player. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, I've got a friend who is the exact opposite. So he buys the codex, writes the list, goes and buys every model he wants for the list, builds them, paints them. It takes him like six months. And I feel bad for him because he usually comes up with something that's, gr you know, or like pretty good at the time. And then after those six months and like two rounds of nerfs or whatever else, <laughs> or yeah, it, points it, increases and rules changes, yeah. and um, and he's like very set. Like, well, that was my list for this. Now I need to go start another army. And I'm always like, well, why don't you just get a, a bit more for that army and then mix things up a bit? But he's very like, nope. That was that. <laughs> nope. You know, he's, he's got like four different Chaos Space Marine armies, um, and each of them is basically like on the nose, two thousand points, two thousand yeah. points, two thousand points. Um, but you know that's what makes him happy and that's the thing you've got to do what makes you happy um, and so let me that, that kind of leads into my point a little bit mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> what I want to talk about here is um, it's kind of a two-pronged thing uh, the first thing is uh, about why I kind of religiously follow GW color schemes and the second part is about why that can drive you slowly insane if you're not very careful um, <laughs> So again, a little bit about me. When I started playing, I saw this color scheme that they did in my local games workshop for my Tyranids, or for their Tyranids. Um, 
and I, I want to say it's basically High Fleet Hydra, but I could be wrong on that, so please don't quote me on that. Um, but basically, purple skin, uh, blue chitin, basically, mm-hmm. uh, is the approach. And I was like, that looks boss. That's what I want to do. So uh, my friend, when I get started, was very kind. He gave me a bunch of his old paints. I've still got them now, like Hormagant Purple and Enchanted Blue and things like that. Oh. Um, <laughs> like really old school. Uh, and With the black lids. Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. And the little, the little funny Citadel demon on them and everything. So I, uh, yeah, I adored that. I got really into those, painted a few models up like that. And then I realized something. Which is, uh, and I say this often, like, I do creative things, but I'm not a creative person. Um, you know, I, I like, play guitar, but I can't write music. Mm. <laughs> I can only play covers. Um, because my brain just does not seem to function when I say, no, I want do something that doesn't exist. Make something that isn't yet existing. My brain can't do it, basically. I, I really struggle to do it. And likewise with painting, whenever I'd come across a new model that I hadn't painted yet, I'd be like, um, panicking, don't, that's got like a little wire on it and I don't know what color to paint that wire. And I would freak out about it. It would would cost me days of painting time because I'd be staring at this wire going, oh God, if I paint it green, it could look really bad. I kind of want to paint it red, but then everything else, the guns and the scythes end up being red. Oh God, I don't know what to do at all. And I would just really shut down over it every time. And so I realized... Um, I realized about probably about two or th- yeah, probably about two years in, I was like, I can't, I have to, I have to pick up a color scheme that I can follow, like where I can look at it and try to mimic it. Um, that's the only way that I think I can really function as a painter because I just keep shutting down and then not painting for months. Um, so I switched it up. I decided to go High Fleet Leviathan because I thought that was the coolest one, and it's the one that's on. 90% of they are the, the yeah, Tyranids. Yeah, the poster boys of the Tyranids. Yeah. They are currently the poster boys for the Tyranids. Um, I did the same when I switched, when I started painting Necrons. I was like, Sartek, that's what I want to do. The classic greens and blacks and silvers. Um, and then Games Workshop kind of stitched me up by changing the poster boys for Necrons <laughs> overnight to the Sazer. Sazer oh, this is like the unpronounceables this podcast. Um, the Shazer Khan uh, dynasty. Um, is 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 the best I can come up with for that mm-hmm. one. Um, so I, yeah, I really need like something in front of me where I can go. They've done that bit like the carapace, or they've done that bit like the guns, and this bit they've just done blue. So I'm going to try and do it blue. Um, that's that's for me, and that's something that might help some young, you know some young gamers or some new gamers who are like you know what i don't know why i i don't know why this guy can just rhyme off stuff from the color wheel and come up with these beautiful paint jobs off the top of his head but it just doesn't work for me Mm. and it also wasn't challenging me as a painter because i was just doing very basic block colors because i didn't know any other techniques whereas if i look at something i go oh well how have they done that and then i've tried glazing and dry brushing and you know mixing paints together to make smoother transitions and edge highlighting like all this stuff that i've tried because i've tried to mimic you know the box art to an extent um the flip side of that and what 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 i sort of would also then counsel you know some caution is i did that for a while and it did slowly drive me bonkers (laughs) and so i've had to pull back on it a little bit 
So what I do now is I look at the, the box art or I look at the art on the website. I say, okay, that's that color, that's that color, that's that color. And then I have to shut it off because if I'm then trying to match the paint quality of a professional heavy metal team painter, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I'm just going to constantly fall short and not be able to measure up. And that then becomes counterproductive and then mm. i start looking at it and go like why and i've seen i've seen some great videos online of people breaking down like you know don't think for one second that just because gw says this is how they painted it it is how they painted it like again they're professionals so you can see they've done some incredibly subtle lighting work and highlighting work yeah um you know there are some very subtle gradients in there that are not just this color plus this wash um and yeah you know you'll you'll drive yourself nuts trying to be as good as that obviously there are people on the internet who are better because they are like super professional hobbyists and you know they dedicate that amount of time to it and they've got that level of skill which is great for them but i don't possess that level of skill <laughs> um so if i you know if i get to the end of it and go here's what i've done here's what they've done it's never going to measure up um so I follow the box art, but I try not to follow it too closely. Um, also, you'll find they use stuff. There's Leviathan models they painted in 4th edition. There's ones they painted in 5th, 6th, 7th, and none in 8th. But, <laughs> but there will be some they've painted in 9th. And the paints change, and the ratios yeah. change. And if you look at some of the models, they're like cream-colored skin for Leviathan. And then if you look at others, they're like skull white. And you're never going to get it again if you try to match up their thing you're going to end up with something that looks equally inconsistent um so you've got to kind of it's it's a tough it's a tough road to travel but mm. you got to kind of you got to kind of you know find your own way there yeah i think with with every army i've ever done i think we i was saying before how when i collected elder i had a bit of every craft world and mm. i and even now, I will scroll through Pinterest or I'll Google images and I'll go like, da 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 da, -da like Eldar color scheme or Tyranny color scheme or Jean Slicot color scheme. And I'll have a look. And there was this really incredible uh, Eldar uh, commission one, which literally was like the entire army was like a bone color and he had dirtied them up there were brown splodges silver splodges like cracked paint effects and dirt and dusting and everything like that which looked incredible um and i was like oh that's kind of cool but could i create something like that and the only army i've ever been able to creatively call my own is my tyranid army and yeah. I, it was my Ice World Tyranid. I had a look at some different ones out there. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to have a go. And I think my YouTube videos for Ice World Tyranid is still on there. And literally very simple. White with a wash to make it like a brown bone colour. And then uh, a blend of different blues and dry brushing. And then how to make the snow uh, effect on the bases. And I'm still really, to this day, really proud. And more Tyranids that I'll get... I will do, and there have been times when I've been like High Fleet. Is it Bah Bahamut, the blue and red ones? Where That's, yeah, the blue. And red if you thing. go to Warhammer World, that massive epic like diorama of Ultramarine versus Tyranids. I looked at that and was like, yeah, I want my Tyranids like that. I got home <laughs> and I'm like, the the brush was like an inch away from the model. I was like, I I 
no, no. Let's keep my version of Tyranids because I'm really happy with what I did. This is really good. And if I go to Warhammer World or a gaming store and I'm sat there and there's another Tyranid player to my right and left and they've got the same colour scheme, albeit painted to different standards, it's like, well, no, I've done it this scheme. Yeah, this this one's this one's unique. This right. one's this unique. is mine. <laughs> no, and I loved I loved your your Tyranid colour scheme. Um, I, I'd watched I'd watched quite a few videos of you sort of um, where you sort of showing off some of your models um, before we first spoke. Um, and I, I absolutely love that. And I, again, I wish it, I wish that I had that kind of brain and that kind of bravery <laughs> to be like, I've done it once in 20 years. <laughs> it was that, that, that light bulb moment. It's like, Oh yeah, I do this. Um, um, and, and also this, this is just a bonus, uh, for specifically for Tyranid listeners. Cause this is kind of, this, this podcast, it feels a bit more general. We can kind of, we're kind of branching out a little bit, but, um, if if you're a if you're a Tyranid player and you want to follow one of the GW schemes uh, and you also want one that's quick, don't pick Leviathan. It is so hard to paint white and paint it well mm-hmm. and paint in all the little red, you know, bits and everything else. I love it to death, but it is a long, is a long and arduous process. Paint Behemoth or Kraken if you want a quick one because you can do those so quickly. Yeah. That should have been one of my points. The different pigments in paints and how to use them. Ah, oh, yeah, white yeah. is incredibly difficult. Um, the, incredibly, white and <laughs> when yeah, when I whenever I've done an army with white, and even if I've used white spray paint, the pigment is just not quite there, so it can be blotchy. Mm. So it's kind of like layers of gray, dark gray to light gray to the white and then there's three different types of white which is commonly used and it's like how white do you want to go between them and yeah no white is very hard yeah. <laughs> it is i the thing is i gotta say pallid witch flesh is the that's the color i use for my leviathan nids i think that that is a godsend because i used to use this like two to three ratio mix of bleached bone to skull white i think it was and I would just keep going back and forth between them till I reached this color that I was happy with. So I never painted with the same shade twice, basically, because I was always creating these blades. But I was also wasting a ton of paint yeah. uh, by, by sort of trying to put that all together and then and then trying to water it down. Pallid Witch Flesh is, is the best I've used. And it's still, you know, if you just paint it straight out of the pot, you're going to end up with something that's thick and splotchy and uneven. And if you water it down too much, you're going to have to do about five coats to get it right. So it's um, it's it's a, it's a delicate it's a delicate balance. Um, anyway, time's getting on. So tell me what your tell me what your final your final tip for our listeners is. Yes, yeah, so this um, is very is very personal to me, and everyone I think in the hobby would have and will do for a little while um, be affected by this. There is a lot of stigma for the hobby um mm-hmm. it is a, it is a very uh, nerdy and geeky thing similar to like dungeons and dragons where it's not typically the cool thing to do um no. and a, 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 even today there are times where and i shouldn't where other times be like uh do you have any hobbies or can I come around to yours and I've got my paint set out or my models or like and I'm super proud as a person of my hobby of the battles that the armies I've painted and stuff like that but it's still kind of like 
oh, I tell you, it is kind of a bit awkward. Like, it's I'm not talking about football, and I love football. Yeah. I'm not talking about rugby, and I love rugby. <laughs> I'm not talking about politics, and I know about politics. It's like I'm not your typical. Everyone sees that typical hobbyist as some overweight, acne, bo like really socially awkward person doing with a it. neck beard who's, but yeah <laughs> but then it's like you see games workshop becoming bigger than marks and spencers in the uk it's a global frat like corporate like company you mm-hmm. see henry cavill re and lots and lots and lots of other celebrities coming out being like yeah we've kind of had this in the background and it's now i'm just saying it because i'm i, I I'm, I'm i'm happy to say it. i i have models i collect I, I i even tom holland was like yeah i it sounds really cool that what sounds you're doing awesome. yeah. it's like <laughs> let's have a battle and so essentially superman and spider-man might do a battle report and recently henry cavill went to warhammer world warhammer on, world yeah, and i'm that. really annoyed because i almost went to warhammer world on that day um, oh my god! With again, uh, my 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 girlfriend's eldest, sh- uh, but we went to our local gaming store instead. So I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, how was your day? Um, yeah, we bought some Black Templar models and uh, we met Superman. That would have been incredible. Um, there, but- well, there are some great. Um, I think Henry Cavill is one of the best sort of current ambassadors for for the. Um- gaming hobbying for the, for everything hobby. yeah. yeah and in in more general terms you got people like vin diesel is like a massive D uh oh fan. yeah yeah um he, he does like his own thing about it um i forget i forget the guy's name is it joe joe latrulio or something like that um who's another sort of famous actor very into D uh and, and that kind of thing um and yeah i do feel I do feel like we're starting to get a bit more traction where it is like, you know, we're not all, <laughs> we're mm. not all like that, but that's not to say that you don't meet yeah. people like that in the hobby. And every now and again, um, I, you know, I went into a games workshop store or well, Warhammer, they're now branded, obviously. Mm. I, I went into one fairly recently cause I needed something that my hobby store couldn't get me. And I popped in there. And, you know, there's some nice guys in there. They don't go for the hard sell, which I really appreciate. Uh, they just want to chat about what you're what you're painting, what you're doing, and maybe say, oh, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? Yeah. Get a brush. You know, they're, they're okay about it. Um, and then there was this massive dude. And, like, you could smell him across the store. And, you know, ev- everything someone said, he would just sit there and be like, huh, well, actually. Mm. Actually, the, the, the Codex Astartes never stated that. Or, you know stuff like that yeah. and, I, and I just wanted to say to him like do you have any idea how far you're setting us back everyone who's walking <laughs> past this store right now can see you and it's like that's a guy who plays Warhammer that's what someone who plays Warhammer looks like mm. acts like smells like uh, dresses like and you know, sometimes I just want to be like there's more you know there's more to yeah. us we're, we're, we're a wide community we're yeah. a lot of very normal people yeah there, there were times that I've gone into a uh, Warhammer store um and I'll either have uh, if one of my friends who's uh, a girl, they'll look around, turn around, and be like, "A oh, girl," and it's like, yeah. you know that. <laughs> but like, I've gone to Warhammer World, and I think the last time I went was it was fantastic. Uh, the atmosphere was incredible, and I looked around, and genuinely, I think it was like a, almost a fifty-fifty between forty k and Age of Sigmar. And in the Age of Sigmar section, I think half of them were, were girl, girls between the age of. 18 to 30 um 
and they had like seraphon in all these cool color schemes and all these things and then you'd see people that looked like they were bodybuilders that were there um and then uh, your average joe kind of person there and it's really nice to see like all of these people from different walks of life do it yet the sec the, the secondary school me or even <laughs> sometimes with if i was down the pub with some of my work colleagues i'd be like uh no no i i know of it i don't do it anymore and it's stupid <laughs> and i shouldn't be like that i should be like yeah i, I enjoy the painting side it's uh, just something i kind of do to kind of chill out and kind of thing so there is a stigma to it but i adore this hobby yeah um, no f- i th- i think i think definitely and i think yeah you know it's 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 over time like like with a lot of things i mean we've talked about video gaming this podcast uh f- think back to when when i was growing up in you know the the early 90s i was very much seen as like a nerd because yeah like you i liked a bit of football i liked a bit of rugby i liked whatever else but actually most of what i was doing was i was at home playing video games i was playing on my mega drive or i was playing on the the, the first playstation when it came out and that was kind of that was my jam and people yeah people used to make fun of me for that and were like oh, geeks nerds playing video games um you know we're now every tom dick and harry has a console somewhere so they can play fifa or so you know someone can play animal crossing in the house or whatever else like it's a far more accepted hobby these days that everybody does it of all ages all sizes and it's not like a nerdy thing and i would like to see warhammer will never be that popular it will never have that sort of market penetration unfortunately it's always going to be a bit niche because of the time and effort you need to put into it but i de- you know i definitely do think it is evolving a little bit in the way that people view it and and i think you know we we as a community all need to kind of play our part and just be like no look at me i am a normal person i have a healthy bmi i <laughs> i shower you know one to two times a day and keep myself very clean yeah <laughs> that that stereotypical what you think is a kind of person that does the hobby yes they're there and we're not belittling them in any way they are they 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 are there and they play the hobby and i would always play against them if they're there um and once even there was a starter bot set the high elves and skaven and there was a guy just like that who wanted the skaven set and i had the high elves set and we had a lovely we had a lovely conversation we had a game with it it was really fun but there's a lot more people out there that does this that that do this hobby and we we should as a community be more open and in there's more hobby like in secondary schools and sixth forms there are more hobby groups and which is always all been going in the right direction and it is more popular than ever and with the pandemic more board games and 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 hobby things have grown so yeah stigma's there but you know just embrace your hobby and you may even get someone into it that you didn't know wanted to be that's just it that's that's the way um i mean i'm still i'm still working on my wife um <laughs> several years on I, I i managed to i managed to get her to paint so i can't even remember how it came up but we went into to gw once 
and I was browsing around and they were sort of chatting to her to pass the time while I was busy going like, oh, do I want Hormagons or Raveners? Do I want Hive Tyrant or uh, Harrisbecks or whatever I was doing at the time? And before I knew it, I turned around and she was sitting down having a painting lesson and she was painting a, a, an old uh, Warhammer Fantasy High Elf. Mm-hmm. And she really enjoyed it. And, you know, she was very... As soon as we came out of there, she, because she got to keep the mini, obviously. Yeah. She was full of qualifying statements. It just, I would never play the game, never in a million years. I just enjoyed painting the model. Painting's very relaxing to me. And I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Maybe I'll get you your own model and you could paint that. And maybe we could sit and paint together and it could just be a nice thing that we do. What do you say? And um, <laughs> I, didn't, I nearly had it. It was like we were right on the cusp, but then I actually bought her the model and she was just like, uh, no, Aww. no, I can't do this. Um, yeah. So we'll, I live in, I live in hope. Um, let me just, uh, let me just hit you finally then with my, with my final, it's quite a quick one. Okay. Um, and again, it's one, you know, these, these are all things that I think I've probably picked up on in the last two years, which is when I've really got back into the hobby after, you know, starting it uh, 10 years, 12 years, 12 years ago. Um, you know, uh, and it's painting things in sub-assembly, um, which is kind of a slightly jargony way of saying... Um, don't assemble the model before you paint it or assemble bits of it, paint them, assemble more bits, paint them, and then put it together. Um, so that was something I never used to do with my Tyranids. Uh, I used because I'd get so excited. I'd say like, oh, I've got a new Trigon model. I'm going to sit and build it right now. And I would sit and build the whole thing and it would be sat there in its glorious gray, gray plastic for months until eventually I got around to priming it. Um, and then it would sit there primed for another five, six years before I would eventually get around to painting it. And when I did, there was all, you know, there was always little bits where I was like, oh, it's a little awkward to reach or I've kind of got to paint that at a bit of a funny angle. And, and I've, in painting that, I've accidentally gone onto the rib piece that I now need to redo. Um, and uh, so what, what I picked up when I started doing Necrons, I mean, you cannot. There are some Necron vehicles where it's unthinkable to assemble the thing before you paint oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. Or if you do, you just need to resign yourself that cockpit is not getting painted. That little man is just going to be vaguely silver. And that's as much as I'm going to be able to do because things are so hard to reach and so difficult to do. Um, and so I tried it with a doomsday arc, a Necron doomsday arc. And I literally did every step. I would say step one, cut that out, cut that out, glue them together. Then I would go prime it, paint it. Okay. Okay. Well, step two, go prime it, paint it like that. Um, so that is probably the very extreme end of painting sub-assembly. Mm. You don't always have to go quite that far. But then when I come back to Tyranids, the way I've adopted it is, for example, with my Tyranid Warriors, uh, which I have a lot of. Um, when I'm assembling them now, I'll assemble the body and paint the body. And then I will paint all the arms separate. And then I will get a feel for what I want the arms to look like. And then I'll glue them all on. And that's the last step. Um... Uh, and there are some things like it's been a life changer for my hive guard, especially because hive guard guns cover half their body and you can't reach the gun from the back end to paint it at all, basically. Mm. And you cannot reach the body to paint it once the gun's in place. So again, unfortunately I've got like six or seven of them, which is 
I don't know, £82 worth or something mm-hmm. um, of already assembled hive guard. And there was one that I stepped on where very luckily all that happened was the two arms came off at the join and didn't actually snap. Um, and so I've sort of, I've painted that one in sub-assembly. Uh, but I'm, I'm almost at the point now where I enjoy painting that way so much more and I find it it gives so much uh gives much uh, a much stronger paint job that I'm actually considering trading some of my minis you know in so that I can say okay you pay me 20 quid uh you can have these three warriors then I can go buy some more that I can paint in proper sub-assembly um or the same with my hive guard uh because it's just it's just so much easier and now once i've done it i can't go back like um termagants are the same i i paint all my termagants just bodies and guns separately and if i don't do it that way which again i must have about 60 termagants with their guns already (laughs) glued in um it's because it's so difficult to reach those bits yeah it just feels really unsatisfying and i always know i'm like you're one of the ones i painted fully assembled and i can tell just Mm. by looking at you i can tell um so yeah, you don't, you know, again, message to new painters. If you're thinking about doing that, definitely do it. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to paint, you know, very tiny individual bits. And for the love of God, do not paint it on the sprue. Because then you're going to have to clip it out and repaint all the bits where you've clipped it. Um, no, no, I've, no. I've known people to do that. And it seems like a good idea until you do it. But, um, you know, but for example, leave a torso off and paint the torso separate or just put the body together. I mean, with Tyranids, Tyranids have a fairly easy recipe, which is do the body, do the arms separate. Um, and for most of their big monsters, actually, they're so big, you can basically get at all the details and it's not a big issue. Like I'm painting a Maliceptor at the moment and that's fully assembled. That's not really causing me any issues. Um, you know, but for certain things, especially our, our actual smaller troops termagants uh definitely tyranid warriors definitely hive guard stuff like that i very very strongly recommend that you assemble them in stages and paint them as you go uh and it's a little frustrating because they sit there i mean i've got stuff i've got a pile of shame that's ever growing from my necrons that's about three boxes because i know that i can't assemble them until they're painted and i haven't (laughs) currently got the time to paint them i've got other things on the hobby table at the moment um so that's that's my final my final piece of advice for the day okay very good i think i think we covered a a wide varied amount there i think we said it all um yeah but i mean it's it's interesting isn't it because i have to i have to stop myself and be like no focus (laughs) (laughs) because there's so many things that sort of come up that that i want to talk about with this podcast uh, with his podcast mm. but um I'm, I'm i'm already i'm already percolating on ideas for next episodes and stuff like that uh but we will we will leave it there so mm-hmm. uh i want to thank everyone for listening for sticking with us for just uh, just over an hour here um listening to us talking about hobbying um yeah. if if you want to get in touch and some people have already uh through reddit which i've really hugely appreciated so thank you to yeah, uh thank you the, so much the, the tyranid sub who have been very supportive and have been following um so i want to say whether you're a new hobbyist or an old hobbyist if you've got any questions for us anything you'd like us to answer or anything you'd like us to discuss on the podcast that you'd find interesting as a listener then please do just drop us a line so we're on uh twitter at talking tyranids um 
by the time this drops, we should also be on Instagram at Talking Tyranids, hopefully, Woo! provided that's not taken, um, where you'll hopefully see our new cover art when it's complete. And um, we are on where we're everywhere we've got we've got a gmail uh talking tyranids at gmail.com as well so um please get in touch with us because we love engaging with the community and we'd love to know what you guys are thinking of the podcast so far and uh we'll see you next time thank you so much bye-bye <laughs>